All right, this is the shit. The shit is coming for you. Oops. Oh shit. Oh shit. I'm hitting the buttons. I don't care. I'm a madman. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Let's get serious. I'm going to talk about the epiphany. I, well, it's, I'm not going to call it an epiphany. It's a clarity that I've had on social media uh, and the general fuckery that's happening in our lives. So I'm going to... I'm not going to go deep in that I'm not going to talk about, you know, super complicated concepts, but I am going to put a little more thought into my unhappiness with social media than uh, just generally I, I think it's bullshit or it's a cock ass or it fucking sucks. I've, I, I've got I've got a little something to say, so... I got this clip here from Jordan Peterson. I don't, uh, I don't frankly uh, give two fucks uh, what you think about him. Uh, I, uh, I just want you to listen to what he's saying now. I think he's a, a particularly thoughtful person. He's a clinical psychologist, and he's going to share some ideas about outsourcing sanity. Uh, I'll include a link to this video. It's on YouTube. I'm going to interrupt it and talk. I haven't listened to this for a while. I'm just going to hit play and then I'm going to stop and I'm going to talk about it. The general point he's making is as we are people in society around other people, it's like, well, how different can we be? And how does that relate to sanity? You know, meaning the, the, the larger point is that we help each other be sane. Simply by you interacting around other people, they'll let you know if you're talking insanity. And uh, let's see, for sanity, it, well, Yes, you can go kind of crazy without being around people, but I'm more talking about like, well, do you believe something that's fair or something that's not fair? So let me give you an example. Uh, if I were to believe that uh, pretty much, you know, uh, all the Jews are super smart, super conniving have unfair control, and it's probably fair if you kill a few of them just to keep them in line. There's a, there's a, a sentiment someone may have, and, you know, I may wonder, well, is that a good sentiment to have or not? Uh, it's hard to know all the facts. There's a lot of facts out there to know. And do I know all the facts to, uh, to say that's wrong? Well, that's that's one way to look at it. But if you go into a crowd of people and you share that attitude, uh, you've just outsourced uh, reality because every fucking person's going to look at you like you're the biggest asshole in the world. And they've just given you an inclination that you are not a good person, that you're not moored to reality. This is, this is what uh, this lecture is going to be about. It's just a few minutes long. But uh, it's a clip from a lecture. But the idea that, well, what's right and wrong? What's the right way for me to think and act in society? We don't all make it up on our own just by being around people. And saying or acting our truth. Other people let us know if we're fucked up or not. If we're, if we're to be celebrated, if we're to be uh, shunned. Um, and it's particularly brilliant because again, it was well, not that anyone decided to do it. It's just how we evolved. Um, he probably goes into, the, I, I, I don't know if he goes into this speech, like he talks about like gorilla eyes, gorilla eyes are like the eye is dark brown and the pupils black. And so you can't really see where a gorilla is looking from a distance. Uh, and human beings are uh, 
Well, we've got very contrasty. The, the, the part of our eye that's looking in a direction is a, a very different color than the white background. And so you can easily tell where a person's looking. And so he's saying, well, evolution favored that uh, humans as a species wanted to see where the other person's looking. We wanted to know what they were looking because you can tell what someone's thinking about by seeing what they're looking at and whatnot. And it probably implies that uh, there were some people who had uh, contrasty, you know, white eyes with black pupils and some humans that had all dark colored pupils and the people who had the contrasty ones probably killed off the other ones because they're like, fuck you, I can't trust you, you know, or something like that. For whatever reason, natural selection chose that, well, I don't know, for every reason, I understand the reason. Uh, however it did it, whether the cave people killed off the cave people that they couldn't read the cues from, but uh, we, we understand nonverbal cues very well from each other. Uh, part, that's part of the reason why phone calls, especially text messages and emails and stuff so hard on us because, you know, sarcasm, uh, are you mad? Are you asking a question? Uh, half of the message, I just made up a number, but a significant part of the message is non, is, is not verbal. It's not the words you're saying. Maybe it's the tone of your voice, the way you're standing, the way you're looking, your facial features. Humans have evolved to communicate to each other face to face. And what we communicate is so much more than just the content of the words. And a huge ramification of that is utter condemnation if you're a fucking piece of shit. Uh, and I'm just laying the foundation because this gets into uh, how Facebook fucks us all up. So I'm going to start this video. I'm not sure where he's going to start. Uh, I've heard this at some point before. So here we go. Yes, he does sound like Kermit the Frog from time to time. And as someone with a high-pitched voice, you can fuck yourself for that too. And so, well, so you need structure. You need predictability. And you need more of it than you think. Just to keep you sane. Now, if you're lucky, and, and maybe a bit odd, you can deviate 5% from the norm, or 10% from the norm, or something like that, carefully and cautiously, as long as the rest of you is all well-ordered in a normative manner. You might be able to get away with that, and you might be able to sustain it across time, and people might be able to tolerate you if you do it, or maybe you'll get really lucky and you happen to be creative, but reasonably well put together, and people will actually be happy that there's something idiosyncratic and unique about you. But even All right, I'm going to pause it there and say what, what he meant, uh, at least as I interpret it, is you can be, you have to be like 95% in alignment with the people around you. Um that some people can be really different. And, you know, think of someone who's really different, you know. So someone who's really, really different is like a schizophrenic where you don't know what they're going to do. They're standing on the corner. They're uh, yelling at nothing that's there. You don't, you can't predict them. You don't know what rules they're going to follow. You don't know what their motivations are. You don't feel safe around them because you know the usual thing that make you feel like the person next to you is not going to jump up and beat the shit out of you for no reason. It's like all bets are off. And so that's basically what, what he's saying is we find that if we're all about 95% predictable based on societal norms, then we can be accepted. But there are some special people, maybe they're so... Um, blessed at a certain thing they're a badass musician or something like that they can be eccentric in their own way and we'll tolerate them you know like a rock star like myself i i don't i don't comport myself to the same uh, rules that everyone else does like i i don't have to wait at a restaurant to get in for example i am more important than that and if I was just some asshole who acted that way, you wouldn't, you wouldn't tolerate it. But because I'm a rock star, you're like, oh, God, that nick's the coolest. So 
So you see where I'm going with this is uh, uh, somewhere we determine, and I don't know if he made up the 95%. I doubt he does. He doesn't make stuff up the way I do because he's like studying shit and a scientist. And I'm just a guy who makes a point. But that's it, is you gotta, you gotta really uh, act the way other people expect you to act. Um, <clears throat> being nice, not being shitty, being predictable, all of that stuff. We can, the, the more, uh, the more in line you are with that, the better. And that's what he said. So I just took four times longer <laughs> to say what he said. But that's, that's what he said. Even under those circumstances, mostly what you want is to have a routine that's disciplined, that's predictable, and bloody well stick to it. You're going to be way healthier and happier and saner if you do that. And then the other thing that you need, because this is one of the things the psychoanalysts got wrong, I think, is that they overestimated the degree to which sanity was a consequence of internal, of being properly structured internally, you know? Because from the psychoanalytic point of view, you're sort of an ego, and that ego is inside you. And of course, it rests on an unconscious structure, but the purpose of psychoanalysis is to sort out that unconscious structure and the ego on top of it. And okay, so um, what I believe he's talking about now is we look at sanity as something a, a person does or is. They are sane, like... Um, like we'd say, like, if you if you exercise, you'll be strong. And so, you know, strength, physical strength comes from you and what you do. And if you want to be stronger, that's up to you to determine what to do when you make that, that choice. And he's laid the foundation that sanity is not like that. You can't decide to be sane and then act on it or decide to let your sanity slip away and then act on it. It is not uh, an internal thing. To make you a fully functioning and autonomous individual. But there's a problem with that because the reason that you're sane as a fully functional and autonomous human being isn't because you've organized your psyche, even though that's important. The reason that you're sane if you're if you have a well-organized unconscious and ego is because other people can tolerate having you around for reasonably extensive periods of time and will cuff you across the back of the head every time you do something so stupid that people will dislike you permanently if you continue. And so what people... So let me, let me jump in there. There's two parts he just said. You have to be good enough so you can be around people. So people will let you hang out with them. If you, if you are too fucked up and you don't have any friends to spend time with, then it's like game over for you already. If you, so if you're good enough to actually have people tolerate you, uh, you don't fly off the hook, you don't have a crazy temper, you're not an alcoholic who takes advantage of everyone, you know, if you comport yourself to societal norms in a way that you have friends that hang out with you, then just the mere action of living your reality around other human beings will give you corrective feedback. That's what he said. That's the one-two punch of your mental sanity is you got to start somewhere where you got a team and then you work on it always with the team. People are doing to each other all the time, just nonstop, is broadcasting sanity signals back and forth, right? It's like... You smile at people if they're, well, if they're not, not only behaving properly, but behaving in a way that you would like to see them continue to behave. You frown at them if they're not. You ignore them if they're not. You shun them. You, you roll your eyes at them. You manifest a disgust face. You don't listen to them. You interrupt them. You won't cooperate with them. You won't compete with them. It's like you're blasting signals at other people about how to regulate their behavior so frequently, well, it just makes up all of your social interaction. That's why we face each other and we have emotional displays on our face and we're looking at each other's eyes and we know exactly, we know as much as we can about what's going on with each other, given that we don't have immediate access to the contents of their consciousness. And so, all right, I'm going to pause it there uh, just to make sure we, we, we get that, that we're constantly uh, assessing um, 
whether we're being uh, accepted, uh, has accepted the right word. We're constantly assessing if we're if we're talking, if we're acting. Uh, people are approving or disapproving, and we are looking for that feedback. And if we're not looking for the feedback, we're at least aware when that feedback is there. When someone someone looks uh, at us with disgust, we see it, we notice it, we don't just like, huh, that's weird. We, some of us are oversensitive to that and we'll take, you know, someone having gas as a, as a condemnation and stuff. So we're, we're wired to, to show expressions to other people, positive and negative, based on their reality, their living. And we're wired to care. And that's how we got to where we're at as a species is by, again, outsourcing all the complexities of what's it, what's it take for me to be the best person I can be. Because that's the thing is I want to live my reality. But if my reality's fucked up, I want to know it's fucked up. And so we outsource that. You know, I now have... You know, if I talk to a hundred people a week, um, I get the feedback from a hundred people and you know, that's diversity, uh, which is good because I just have my opinion. And if I can get the opinion of all those other people, of course, they can only give feedback on what I say or do. If I keep all my thoughts inside, uh, then I don't get that feedback. All right. I'm going to hit play fuckers. Partly what you're doing with your routine is establishing yourself as a credible, reliable, trustworthy, potentially interesting human being who isn't going to do anything too erratic at any moment. And everyone else is around there tapping you into shape, making sure that that's exactly what you are. And that's how you stay sane. And so what happens to people too if they don't have a routine and they get isolated is they start to drift. And they drift badly because the world is too complicated for you to keep it organized all by yourself. You just cannot do it. So a lot of our, so we outsource the problem of sanity. And it's very intelligent that we outsource the problem of sanity because sanity is an impossibly complex problem. And so the way that we manage the incredibly complex problem is we have a very large number of brains working simultaneously on the problem all the time. It's like a stock market for sanity. And it's partly, and I use that, I use that definition with purpose because the stock market does the same kind of impossible thing, right? Because it tries to price things, which is impossible. There's, how many things are there? Like a billion. How in the world do you decide what the price is? You can't decide what the price is. That's why you have a stock market. As well, in a free market, I mean for, for consumer goods. Is everyone's voting on what the price of everything is all the time. And that's the way we figure it out because it's actually, it's technically impossible. That's partly why the stock market explodes now and then and there's bubbles and all that sort of thing. But anyways, the point is. Should I let the point? This almost, the video's almost done. Things are chaotic. Okay, uh, didn't need to wait for that. Okay, so, um, a few good ideas on that. The, the, the last idea being uh, when we outsource this and get a lot of minds on it, bad stuff can happen. An entire nation can go insane. Uh, and then there'll be corrective behavior or corrective actions at some point. Um, you can't just, you know, assume that, you know, you surround yourself with the, the opinions of a thousand people and, uh, there's not going to become some normative thought that's wrong that that can happen too. So it's not perfect. The, the only question is, is it better? Cause what's the alternative? The, the, so one, one way we can figure out the right way to be in the world is just to live your truth and be yourself and not give a shit what anyone else thinks. And if you're wrong, uh, I guess that assumes, is there such a thing as wrong? And, uh, I guess I should separate that, you know, living your truth. Like I was just at a play and, uh, some people started singing about living your truth and clapping on that. And so it obviously means something. And, 
perhaps they were using it for for your like sexual identity or something and so i'm not talking about like who you are like that's not up for debate like i'm not trying to say like well if you think you're gay go go talk about it in front of people and they'll let you know if you're gay i, I explicitly gave the first example like do i have do i have to worry about the jews being in charge and how do we how do we stop that that that's what i mean by run your ideas past people and see what they think so i'm not i'm not that there's some things that you are that you don't need the approval of anyone for and if anyone's condemning you for being who you are uh that's something else so i'm not i'm not trying to say change who you are uh but and yeah this does get muddy because there's a long uh history with uh people being intolerant of who you are and uh based on certain things like uh uh sexual orientation uh, certainly the trans discussions coming uh coming hot and heavy now um and that's not what i'm talking about and if you can say there's like 90 percent of the decisions that we make in life are not like what's my identity so i'm talking about all the stuff uh, as we live our day-to-day -day. like should i keep my job should i change my job should i do this should i drop out and go to school should i volunteer at this organization should i call my friend should i you know i could go on for hours like this i'm talking about you know what do we do what do we think what do we believe what do we worry about what would we ask of our politicians all of these things you know go way beyond the the question of what's my identity so to, to the extent we try to figure out, well, what's the right way to be in life, there's a, a feedback loop where we just get around people, we share what we think, and they let us know if we're doing more, or sorry, if we're doing what they want, and they smile, and they're, they're, we're doing what they don't want, they let us know to stop doing that, and it, it starts with looks, and it ends with you not being able to hang out with them, them being too busy to ever see you, uh, all the friends hanging out without you. Um, and not always. I mean, you know, friends change. So I, you know, now people whose friends group have changed in the last month to think that I'm telling them, oh, you're fucked up. <laughs> uh, especially if you're 15, because that shit happens. Uh, all the time not be that it can be about coolness and then that's the thing it's like well i'm friends with these people uh but they're not friends with these other people uh well who's the cool crowd right now or whatever you're doing to decide who your friends are you know if you talk with other people about how you're choosing who your friends are this week that's the perfect thing for this because the right people will be shocked if you're like well uh, I was friends with uh, Jenny and Janet, but uh, they hate each other now, and Jenny is more popular. So I'm going to choose Jenny as they're following out, and I won't hang out with Janet anymore. Like, if, you know, tell that to your friends. <laughs> and see if you get some shitty looks. So that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. And so a couple things with this. One, I'd like to... Well, I'm definitely going to talk about social media, but then, you know, I've been paying a lot of attention to that uh Darrell Brooks uh Wisconsin murderer fuck uh I've watched many many more hours of the trial and I'd like to talk about how this relates to him as well but uh the first point I want to make is as I promised as I look at social media I think the main thing that that social media has done to harm us is allow us to have what we might pretend to be a reach, a rate, a reach, a rich ecosystem of 
people we talk to, interact with, get their opinions and influences from, uh, who are all uh, in one bubble or another. So, for example, if, if I were to say... Uh, everyone from political party X uh, hates... Uh, uh, women and children and babies. Um, some people on Party Y may go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And some people on Party X would go, what the fuck you talking about? They would, you know, some people would smile and some people would frown. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's up to you to go, okay, well, let's see. Let me see what I'm going to do with that because, uh, I'd be I'd even be interested to see who uh, who on party Y would be okay in public uh, going yeah that's right that's right on you know they go over and, and whisper to you like I'm not gonna say this in public but totally totally cool you know just getting out in public with people who have a different uh, political belief than you is going to expose you to different points of view and uh, I'd say very rarely you know if you had 10 people in a room and five uh, let me stop talking X and Y I'll say this is, so you get five Democrat voters and five Republican voters in a room and someone says that uh, uh, Democrats uh, don't know how to do math and would go bankrupt uh, just to get a free hand job uh, so guaranteed, all the Democrats in the room are frowning. The question is, how many Republicans in the room are frowning? And I'm guessing it's probably at least one, because I, I don't know how many Republicans would say, hey, that sounds like bullshit, uh, versus, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, out in public. And flip it, flip it on its head. You know, if you said, uh, I think all, all, all Republicans just want uh, women to die in the back alley. Uh, they hate abortion because they hate when women uh, get the things that they want. Every Republican's going to frown. And how many, uh, how many Democrats are going to frown? Because... Uh, that's, you know, I, the, the percentage of people who actually believe the other side thinks that way is, you know, it's not 100% who thinks one way or the other, but, you know, there's, there's going to be some give and take when you're all together and you have to live with what you're saying or not saying or acknowledging or tolerating uh, being said, you know, if someone says someone says something crazy and you just kind of look like, huh, what's for lunch? Um, you know, this the, the I, I, I'd even take the the outsourcing sanity a little further and say, you know, all of us in the same spot together means my feedback. You know, if you say something and it's just me and you, my feedback to you is governed by whether there's a crowd around or not. Right? Because, uh, you know, if it's just me and you talking, and you say something, and I'm like, I, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. It's fun. I certainly like uh, just belittling people I, I, who are different than me. So sure, that sounds fine. You know, if I'm in front of 50 people and you say something stupid to me and then all eyes are on me, well, what's Nick going to say? You know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm being judged for, for my part in this equation. And so that's my, my thought on social media is it just takes that correcting behavior away. And we just go into, you know, mentally, we're like, well, I'm in front of 10 million people. It's not like I'm being secretive. 
but all we've done is pre-select that 10 million people. Uh, we basically align ourselves. You know, it gets to the point. It's like, if, if you're... Unfriend me now if you don't think this exact way that I think. Because I'm going to say some shit and I don't want you to look down on me, boy. This is not the place for you to regulate my craziness. In fact, there's no place for that. You know, that that's what I think social media has done. That's why I think we're so so separated now and why we think the little fringe 3% of politics that are divisive is the only thing that matters is because uh, we don't look each other in the eye anymore and tell other people what we think when it runs the risk that they may have not been pre-selected to, to approve of my message. So... And then the question is what to do with that. Um, Twitter just went live with Elon Musk in charge, and so part of me is excited um, to see, you know, what the code change, what what his uh, developers find in the code for algorithms uh, that are, you know, manipulating the content. Um, part of me is hopeful for freedom of speech, but we still end up with. Is that really the right place to, to uh, share your political views? You know, if all I do is share my political views online in a way that no one can look at me disapprovingly, then I am fucking with myself. I am... I am twisting the knobs on my beliefs i'm twisting the knobs on my sanity uh without the corrective behavior hold on i got a text let me see huh i could read this text out but i'm not going to it's not interesting okay so I was talking about something, right? Yes. Yeah, so the the analogy I liked very much from a, a Kurt Vonnegut book about a, a guy who pretended to be a Nazi so he could be an American spy, and the, the question of the duality of that. He he used the the imagery of um, grinding the gears down in the machinery of your mind. And the, the idea is that we have the ability to think things through. We have the ability to process reality. But some people choose to grind that machinery down to make it fit the way they'd rather have it fit. So that, that was his analogy was, uh, say what you want about whether I... Uh, should have gone as far as I did as a Nazi spy, but I never fucked with the machinery of my brain and broke the rules of reality to convince myself that I was right. And that's the... See, I love this because I start talking... And I've got a vague idea what I'm going to say, but I, you know, I didn't realize I was going to come to this conclusion, which is basically, uh, is there ever a reason for me ever to talk about politics with someone not in person or not even not, not someone, but multiple someones that if I talk, if I talk politics online, am I not guaranteeing that I am moving away from reality? And I don't, I don't think I could say I'm guaranteeing that I'm moving away from reality. I'm saying that we as a species have not figured out how to have social media be a value add in our exploration of the world. Social media clearly is 
uh, sitting on the couch and eating Twinkies when you want to get in shape. It's clearly, you know, in the, the machinery of your mind, it's clearly throwing a handful of sand and nails into the gears and stripping shit out. It's clearly that. So I'm going to do with that as I want. Uh, that's, this has been fun. I, I'm getting more texts. And, okay, so on... Onto the excrement. There's this piece of shit guy. I could play... I could grab any one of dozens of multi-hour-long clips of the guy who ran his SUV through the parade in uh, Wisconsin last year. I'm probably not going to play anything. He's so aggravating. Like I, I played, I played a video for my youngest daughter, and the first sentence he said, you know, she was on her phone. We were driving in the car, and I just put it on the speakers. And just the first sentence he said, like the judge talked for a minute, and then he just said something, and my daughter's like head snapped, and just at the tone in his voice, and it just like, what the fuck is his problem? She doesn't cuss in front of me because we pretend we don't cuss in front of each other. Well, no, sorry. We pretend we don't cuss by not cussing in front of each other. So don't tell her. Uh, and then, she, oh God, she's, been, <laughs> she's the biggest foul mouth. But don't tell her I know. It's a secret. So, so yeah, it's aggravating listening to him. Because his he's he's got... He's got a few different ways of of dealing with conflict. And the main way he deals with conflict that I've seen in the trial is he acts like you're stupider than shit for not agreeing with him. No no matter what it is, it's just you know, you're stupider than shit. Like there's this point when uh, he he wanted to put the trial on hold because he f had fatigue and lost his sense of taste and uh, thought he might have COVID and he was scared almost to the point of tears he was scared and got a a, a slow slow test that was going to take many days and uh, the judge is like well would you like to take a fast acting test? And, you know, lots of emotions went through his mind. Uh, obviously he didn't want to know really quickly. He wanted to put the trial on hold for a few days. Uh, but he was scared, really scared, but that scaredness didn't turn into, well, yeah, I'd like to take the test and know in 10 minutes if I've got it or not. It was, you know, you're stupid for asking. Why would you ask if I want to take the fast acting test? You stupid piece of shit. Why would you even ask that? Don't you? I'm a human being here. Why would you ask? I've already taken the long acting test. Why would you? Like that. That's it. Is is he, he pretends that he's trying to do the best that he can. That he's a good guy. Uh. I watched his opening testimony. He cried. He literally cried uh, about himself. Do you guys know the facts of the case? I can give the facts of the case real quick as as I learned them. He uh, he well I, he's 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 been in and out of jail. You know, his adult life. He was uh, arrested at least twelve times in Wisconsin, in and out of jail. Uh. He got in a fight with his girlfriend, punched her, and drove over her in his van. Uh, they let him out on a $1,000 bail. I don't know who paid it, but basically he picked on his baby's mama. Uh, he got well, uh, he started dating a girl when she was 14 or 15, uh, and he was like almost 30, got her pregnant, 
Um, I guess he was, I guess, I guess he's 10 years older. So she was 15 and he was about 25 and, uh, got her pregnant. So she's 30 with a 15 year old. He's 40. Uh, but basically after he got out of jail, he decided to yell at, at the baby mama. That's disrespectful. I mean, I didn't make up the term, but, uh, after seeing the shit she went through. Is there another term for that? The ex... The ex who you have a, a, a child with. Um, she... He, he decided that he was going to yell at her for a couple days in a row for not paying his bail. <laughs> for driving over his, his kid. And, I mean, I, I officially want to, you know stop picking on Florida and start picking on Wisconsin for being the stupid state for, for letting this guy out on bail. Cause that's the thing is they, they let him out on bail for a thousand dollars. And even after he drove through the parade and killed all those people, they still were going to let him out on bail. Um, I, I don't, I don't even know how to how to describe that uh, Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, Red Letter Media's from there, from Milwaukee. So I know you do got some good stuff there, but come on, fucking, what are you doing? <sighs> so anyway, uh, he didn't come up with the two hundred thousand dollars to get out on bail. Uh, I mean. When he was found guilty, they did revoke bail, so he couldn't go out on bail. Um, I guess I'm a little surprised. I kind of wondered if he can just post bail and serve his life sentence out on bail or something. At, at some point, you, you, you just go, okay, well, uh, you're, you're fine with mur murdering fucking criminals being free on the street, so that's on you. Uh, but anyway, so back to the story. He yelled at uh, yelled at the the mother of his child all day one day, uh, and then the next day he did the same thing. Uh, punched her in the eye. Uh, she jumped out of the van. She called her friend. Her friend was there, who was a guy who basically stopped uh, Darrell from being able to punch her in the eye anymore. Uh, the way he likes to do. That's the other way he deals with uh, with conflict is uh, violence against... I don't know if there's any stories of him going up against someone his size. Uh, or, you know, hand-to-hand -hand someone against his size. I, I know there's, you know, stories of him punching women and driving driving vehicles through parades. But, yeah, he eventually drove to where he knew the parade was happening and then this drove down the length of the parade uh i don't know if he was weaving back and forth but he just you know he hit kids uh parents with kids sitting on the sidewalk watching the parade drove through a high school marching band a group of uh young teenage dancers the uh group of grannies uh, he just kind of, he hit everyone. Well, I, I don't know who he was aiming for. It's, you know, when there's just a parade, he's just kind of going through the parade. Uh, come out the other side, jump out of the, you know, basically drive down an alley, come out. A cop sees him get out of the car. Uh, he, he goes out, he hides somewhere, takes, you know, changes his clothes, changes his appearance, tries to hide, uh, asks someone for help, uh, gets caught and arrested. They've got all the evidence they need that it's his car. He's got the keys for the car in his pocket when they have them. They've got pictures of him in the car during the attack. Uh, you can clearly see it's him. Uh, it's just all the evidence in the world they need that it's him. Uh, generally, his defense was... Uh, that's interesting. I know, I know he alluded to the fact that he's 
probably cared more about the victims than the prosecution did. Um, I think it's, it's just that there's two sides to every story, and although his story didn't come out uh, because he didn't share his story, uh, oh, that's what we should get into, a sovereign citizen's. That was, I wasn't, I don't know if it was his real defense, it was more of his uh, stalling tactic. But uh, I'll, I'll wrap up what, what he actually, you know, it, his defense was just how, how sad and heartbreaking it was for, for the families and for poor him, because there's been a lot of people who've said a lot of n n naughty, mean, mean-spirited things about him, and he's just, he's just a guy, you know, why... Why all the hate? Uh, hold on, I'm getting emotional. Let me wipe my tears and start crying over how bad he's been treated. Uh, and that was his defense. He tried to he tried to say that the car had a recall for the throttle getting stuck, and that like he didn't want to drive through the parade, but the the uh, the accelerator was stuck, uh, which is not what happened. Um, and they didn't let that come in. He kept trying, and they kept shutting him down. But that was that was basically his defense: is uh, keep an open mind, please, because uh, there's two sides to this story, uh, and do the right thing. And then you know it's like, well, here's here's a video of him driving through a crowd of people. And it's him, and it's all, you know, he, he lied about not being uh, there. He knew, because that, that's the thing with the, the insanity plea that I talked about in the last podcast. You, you have to not know that what you did was wrong to claim insanity. If you knew it was wrong, and you did it anyway, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, if you don't have a high IQ, if you're not good at math. But you know you shouldn't kill someone, and then you kill them, and then you try to hide it. Well, that kind of proves that you knew you shouldn't have done it. And so that's a, you know, there's an FBI interview with him right after it happened. And, you know, they're like, well, how'd you get over here to this part of Milwaukee? And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I went to this girl's house. I don't know her name. Uh... Uh, but we watched the football game and my friend, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but he drove me over, you know, just like he knew to lie. He knew that it was wrong for him to say, uh, oh, I drove through the parade, <laughs> uh, probably hurt and killed some people. He knew that was the wrong answer. Uh, he knew that, uh, oh shit, the, my accelerator got stuck. And all I could do was just uh, weave through at like 10 miles an hour, hitting people, staying on the road and just kind of hitting my way down the road and then turning around the corner, coming to a stop to fling someone off my dashboard. Someone was on the hood of my car. I hit the brakes so they'd fly off and then I went forward again, driving over them to get away. But it was the accelerators. Like he, he knew he couldn't say that and get away with it. So I don't know why he tried it at the trial. Other than, uh, I just think he just thought he'd mumble through. All right. So he, again, found in record time guilty because he didn't do anything. What he wanted, the main thing he wanted to do to, for the judge, or the, he wanted to do that the judge wouldn't let him do, is this gets into the sovereign citizen thing. <coughs> sovereign citizens say that they are not subject to the laws they're their own thing and uh, they do not wish to enter into a contract uh, with the state they are not uh, a person they are a human being uh, they do not wish to rejoinder in the contract uh, let me try to find some of these things because this, this is great uh, sovereign citizen. Let's see what, because uh, YouTube, YouTube really sucks in terms of leaving stuff online. That's good. <sighs> yeah, second video is uh, 
judge rules uh, Darrell Brooks is unable to use sovereign citizen defense at trial. Uh, uh, God, can I? Are they even here? Now, are they even here anymore? It's a lot of him. A lot of him. I know like three years ago, there was just a limitless supply of sovereign citizens who were getting arrested and uh, just trying to act like, uh, I don't have to talk with you cops. I don't have to give you, I don't have to have a driver's license because I'm not engaged in commerce. I'm not driving for my job. I do not wish to. Let's, is this one? Did one of them make it? David Hall. Next we go to a Oh, fuck. No, I don't, I don't do the court cam things where you have some douchebag explaining what's going on. That's my job. All right, well, YouTube has has gone through and purged the videos. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, someone someone will come out and replace YouTube as a spot for uh, entertainment, even if it makes assholes look like assholes. I don't know why YouTube doesn't want assholes to demonstrate their assholeness on their own terms. All you're allowed to have is a douchebag court show, do a couple yucks at their expense. I want to do big yucks. But that that's it. There's a lot of literature on the internet telling sovereign citizens exactly what to say. And their their approach is mainly to try to stall for forever any legal proceedings uh, you know, asking for questions that can't be answered. Asking for like, well, is this, is this a military court? What, what court structure is this? There's an American flag over there and there's a military symbol on the top of the flagpole. Is this a maritime, uh, courtroom? Uh, show me, show me the, the form right now that says you have jurisdiction over me. You know, things that that don't exist. And then the judge says, no, believe me, I have authority over you and I'm settling this right now. And now it's settled. And because that's one of the things that that uh, Darrell did uh, was it, it seemed like he didn't go more than 15 minutes without asking the judge to revisit the. Uh, jurisdiction whether or not the judge had the authority to put him on trial and I, I don't really think he thought that the judge was going to say at any point you're right uh, I don't have a form showing that I have power over you case dismissed please uh, remove uh, Darrell's handcuffs and let him go he has beaten the system he has he has put the judicial trial he has put the judicial system on trial and he has found it guilty and go go empty all the prisons go let everyone out uh, turns out nobody nobody has to follow any laws at all because uh, they don't have <laughs> Like, I, I'm sure he didn't actually think it was going to work. I think he just thought that um, if he wasn't ready, that the, the they would put the court on hold. Let's say, well, we, we need to give this a couple of weeks. This poor guy, he's he's got to he's got to cross-examine these witnesses that he called, but he doesn't know if they're who's here now. He doesn't know what order they came. He can't find his papers, poor guy. I can't find my papers. I can't I can't do I can't do court like this. Please let this just hold off for a couple weeks. He'd yell rush to judgment every time. Uh leading. Oh god, what what I see today. Um they were asking the the dance instructor, the the group of 9 9 and 10 year old girls who are dancing. 
and he drove through them. I don't know how many of them he killed. Uh, their instructor was on the sidelines in front and saw it happen. And just at the beginning of the questioning, the, 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 the prosecution asks her, uh, is there a time when the, when the dancers stopped dancing? And, uh, Darrell says, objection, uh, not re <laughs> relevant. <sighs> and I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's if you, yeah, we, we all knew what they were asking. They weren't asking like, did they, you know, ever stop dancing for any reason at all? It's like, it's like, tell, tell us about when the dancing stopped and the carnage began. And he's like, eh, eh, objection, irrelevant. I don't want to talk about that part of the night. <laughs> Let's just skip the uh, the whole watching your students die, going over and holding. Because that, that, that's the thing that it got to me. Because I've watched several hours of him being a, a complete twat. But then you get to the stories where, you know, girls have been hit by a car and their mom's there and the teacher's there and they're holding them and they're going in and out of consciousness as they're fucking dying on the street. And this sack of shit is sitting there in the courtroom and his defense is trying to tell, trying to tell the jury that they can nullify the vote, that they can just decide to ignore the law and say not guilty. And he's pissed off that he can't tell the jurors that. And like the jury, like... That's his whole hope, is that if I can tell the jurors, if only I could tell them that they could nullify their vote and say not guilty, even if they think everything happened, it's their right to just say not guilty because they don't believe in something. They think maybe they're pissed off at the government or something. You can just, you don't have to, even if you believe all the facts of the case, you can still say not guilty. That he fucking thought... That anyone was going to go, hey, you're right. Fuck the government, man. Power to the people. It's, it's us against them. <laughs> we got to take care of each other. Fuck. So, uh, he didn't, they didn't nullify their, the verdict. They didn't say not guilty. But that, I, you know, was that his defense was just... Uh, I feel bad too, and you don't have to vote guilty for me. Do the right thing. And so they did. And tomorrow's Monday. They will start the... Well, they're not... tomorrow they're just going to talk about what people are going to want to do in terms of getting ready for the penalty phase, because it'll be interesting to see, because there's really... He's going to get life in prison, uh, plus five years for the six victims who were killed. Uh, I'm going to do some research. I, I've I found I've, I forgot. I'm going to find the link before I before I tell you what it's called. But the place where they keep the body, because there's six counts of a life plus five years. I don't know if that's consecutive or current, the five years times six. So I don't know if they have to keep his body in the jail for five years because it's a, a consecutive extra five years. Or sorry, that'd be a concurrent. Because if it's a consecutive, then it's five years, then five years for, for a total of 30 years. Um, so I'm not sure how long they have to keep his body in the prison. It's either five years or 30 years, and that's mandatory. Uh, it's, it's interesting where they, where they put the bodies. Uh, you can go. You can go to the lo local jails. Don't usually have them because they don't usually have life there. But if you want to go to the federal um, penitentiary and ask to uh, to see where they keep the 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 bodies of uh, of these life plus some number of years, they'll let you in there because obviously they they really make sure you're dead before you're in there, and then it's really low security uh, for obvious reasons. So if you ever wanna, if you ever wanna go check that out, tell them, tell them the Fruitcast sent you to uh, to go look at that. I'll I'll get the exact name for it. Um, 
We should organize a tour there. We should do a podcast from one of those because it's, it's creepy, but it's satisfying being in, in one of those. We had, a, we had a small one. I used to work in the district attorney's office, and we had one down in the basement, and we'd go in there. There was a couple people. I was only there for a couple years. There's a couple people there who were, who were real dicks. Uh, and you just go down there, and you do your work, and you go, well, at least I'm not that dead guy over there. And, uh, yeah. So that's it. I think, I think I've made my point. I think I've made your life a better thingy. And there you have it. Speaking of making a life a better thingy, I'm going to put on a minute and 32 second long fart for your good pleasure. While this fart happens, I'm going to get caught up on my text messages. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm typing a text now. All right, let's see the other text. Oh. Oh, got it. Okay, yes. All right. Thanks, everyone. Fucking go be good people now. Now that you know what to do. Don't... Don't talk about anything on social media. <laughs>